It's time for building the game. Building the game with Jason and friends. Tabletop game design. The the end of the episode that's when it technically ends hello and welcome to building the game a documentary podcast today is monday november 9th and you're listening to episode 441 as always i'm your host jason joined today by a trio of awesome people from the game design industry uh first uh i've got banana chan who needs no introduction because she's been on the show (laughs) several times how's it going banana good thanks thanks for having me on again Yes, always. You are all, you're one of those people that I say is always welcome. And I say that to a lot of people, but with you, I actually mean it. Aww. <laughs> uh, we, also have, uh, we also have two other guests on the show that Banana brought along with her today. Uh, the first is Dan Letzring of uh, Letterman Games and Galactic Raptor Games. Hey, Dan, how's it going? Very good. Thanks for having me. Let me tag along with Banana and getting in on one of her shows. Yeah, well, I don't, you know, I mean, after a while, people might get tired of hearing her, right? We got to keep her fresh. (laughs) Why do you think I have guests in the first place? They get tired of hearing me. So, Uh, and then uh, last but definitely not least, we have uh, designer Tim Devine designed a lot of different RPGs, uh, notably worked on the North Sea Epilogues RPG adaption for Renegade. And uh, yeah, it's great to have you on, Dan. Uh, Sorry, Tim. How you doing, Tim? Good. Thanks for having me. I'm I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Well, uh, I don't know what you all have been up to uh, this week. Uh, certainly, I'm sure you haven't been refreshing your uh, your browser repeatedly, looking at election results. Because <laughs> uh, that's definitely not what I've been doing for the last 48 hours, 72 hours, not sleeping. Uh, that's been cool. Um, yeah. By the time people are listening to this, we probably have some sort of answer. Uh, but as of the night we record this, we have no answers. None. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. Taking taking every, uh, you know, self-care tool that I know in the book and definitely not doom scrolling or doing anything like that. <laughs> I, I think one of my favorite things was on election night, I was watching uh, a CNN uh, because they had just really solid coverage of like, of the maps and the breakdown of counties and how votes are counted and things like that. It was really interesting, but about every 20 minutes or so they would, they would during a commercial break, the calm app was being advertised and it would be like, take 30 seconds to do nothing. And it would just play like the sound of rain. And I would, I would put my phone down when that happened. So I was like, darn it, I'm going to do this. Cause I know that I need this. I keep getting ads for headspace. Like that's my thing right now. Headspace. Yeah. Calm. Noom. I'm I'm not sure what Noom is, but yes, it's all of that. Headspace has this guy with this amazing voice. Uh, and I really like listening to it. Um, because it makes me feel like I'm gonna fall asleep because he's I think he's British. Uh and it's just real calming. Real calming. So yeah. Ooh. I don't know, Dan and Tim, have you been uh have you been doing the right things and not doom scrolling for the last uh few days? so i've been checking like every few hours right like i've been updating like you mentioned but not not you know too often because like you said i need some separation from it especially i mean they're coming in so slow the results that it's really agonizing to keep refreshing and getting nothing and um so yeah i've been trying to disconnect from that i mean work's been keeping me pretty busy this week and on election day i had the day off so i went and got a new tattoo just kind of like for self-care yeah 
Did yeah. it say I voted? Was it an I voted tattoo? <laughs> it did not. I voted. <laughs> Is that morning. cliche? I don't know. Is that like... <laughs> I told my wife the joking because we got the sticker. I was like, you know, I'm just going to get this tattooed right on my chest. I don't even need the sticker anymore. <laughs> Does that mean you'd have to get one every uh, every election? I'll just get a check mark next to it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you become a human ballot. It, it just means that every time when he goes to the polls and they go to give him a sticker, he will tear his shirt open and say, "No, <laughs> I voted." It's going to be my victory after I put the ballot in. I'm going to rip all the buttons, pop it, pull it apart, and just scream, "Yes!" I mean, at that point, if they kick you out, it's okay. So. I mean, I'll have already voted, right? You you wouldn't be the exactly. the, the weirdest thing at the polls right now. <laughs> I don't think it would even make the news. Uh, <laughs> Not even top ten. To the, no. <laughs> the sensations everybody are making of themselves. <laughs> so, what about you, Tim? You've been vigorously checking. Uh, no, no, I, I've been doing a very similar thing between work and uh, you know we have two young kids playing playing as many games, including including Questlings, the RPG. <laughs> we've been uh, we've been keeping uh, keeping ourselves uh, between uh, this this world and the fantasy world. <laughs> that is smart, very smart. Um, all right, well let's uh, let's talk about games. So you said you've been uh, Tim. You said you've been playing uh, Questlings of late. Um with your kids correct oh yeah yeah we, we have a seven-year-old my, my my two and a half year old's not really playing it so much as, not quite, as yeah. living it um but uh my son and i are are, are playing and my and uh, my partner also excellent excellent um and then uh how about you uh dan you played anything lately yes yeah, so my kids uh, so i also have two young kids mine are five almost six and eight and so we play games I mean, every day. So tonight we were playing Loop and Chewy. And yeah, yes, good one. Yeah, we love that one. And yesterday we played Potion Explosion and Quicks. And we did Villainous recently. And yeah, I mean, we play games almost, I mean, every other day. And usually before bed, we'll do a quick game, something nice and quick, just to kind of calm them down before we go to bed. And so, and not, not that it calms them down because sometimes it gets crazy, but, but yeah, <laughs> right. uh, and we've been trying to find a lot of time to do that lately. Awesome. Awesome. Banana, you played anything recently? Uh, so I recently played Zhangshu on uh, Friends Who Roll Dice, which is a cool. Twitch uh, Twitch channel. So that was a really good game because I finally got to play instead of GM, uh, which was a relief um, just because like I'm so used to GMing. I'm just like, oh, my God, like I have to do so much prep. But this time I didn't have to do any prep, which was amazing. Uh, and prior to that, I played Bluebeard's Bride on a girl's game shelf uh, with a whole bunch of awesome people. So that was also a lot of fun. That was all for Halloween. So it was a nice spooky time. Oh, I should have I should have mentioned so, that, Benny. You reminded me that I, I did get to, a chance to play a non-kid game. I was able to play a game of For the Queen uh, for the Role to Play Network, and it was a fantastic game and we did a very spooky version of it we it was titled for the queen of darkness so it was it was very very fun excellent yeah we haven't we haven't played a lot a ton here lately uh it was one of you mentioned villainous and we uh i haven't played villainous i've heard good things about it uh we but we did buy marvel villainous uh for christmas for the kids because they had saw that in the uh in the old target magazine or the amazon magazine i don't remember whatever catalog that we get now uh and so we picked that up 
that looks like fun. Yeah, we we really enjoy it. My only thing with it is, so it's a, better for adults because it it can drag and take a long time. So my kids love it, but then after like forty five minutes to an hour, if the game's not close to over, they they get a little antsy. So we'll take breaks though. Like we we have a big dining room table and we'll just leave it set up and we might even nice. wait till tomorrow and pick it up again. Uh, we'll do that a lot just because, you know, they can't sit that long, but they love it. Otherwise it's, it's really fun and you know, they can get it. It's easy enough. Um, I mean, there are some things that might be a little complex for them, but they get it anyway and they do fine. And my youngest, we kind of help her coach her along and, and it's just, it's fun living through the Disney movies as the villains. We like it. That's awesome. Yeah. My kids have been really into Marvel United, um, which I have like the first box from the Kickstarter for that, like the base game. Uh, they've been super into that. And uh, that one plays pretty quick. Um, and we don't always win, which is they think is a super bummer. But we usually get close enough to where they feel like, oh, next time we'll get them. Um, but yeah, I'm always looking for those kids game games you can play with kids where it's not like mind numbing. It's it's actually super enjoyable. <laughs> for well, everyone not, not to pitch another one <laughs> no but we're so we're releasing a campaign game uh next year we funded on kickstarter last year it's a minis based campaign game and my kids we played about six campaigns this summer like it's oh, it's wow. all we've been doing yes and so what we tried to do is keep the encounters about 45 to 60 minutes so it is those like nice bite-sized little games you can go through and my kids have been obsessed with it and it's other than like our quick games before bed, that's all we've been doing this summer. So it's been a lot of fun. Very cool. All right. Well, so we've talked a lot about kids, which is good because our topic tonight, uh, later we're going to talk about Questlings, uh, which we've mentioned just a little bit here, um, which is a game that uh, Banana um, and uh, Tim co-designed uh, based on the the books Dan wrote, Questlings or is working on as well still. And uh, yeah, so anyways, we're going to talk about that later uh, for our practicing the pitch section. But we wanted to talk a bit about, um, we want to talk a bit about designing games for kids, specifically RPGs. I think we'll do some relation back to board games as well. Uh, recently, um, the listeners know we had on Hannah Schaefer, the uh, RPG designer, and we had a great conversation around um, tools for designing small games uh, specifically from an RPG perspective. And then we pivoted that towards what would that look like uh, in a board game perspective. And so I think that's kind of a fun conversation to have around kids' games, uh, especially here too. So, yeah. Does that sound good to everybody? Yeah, I just yeah. a quick note, Hannah Schaefer. So we were talking once, and she gave me this great recipe for these gluten-free, dairy-free donuts, and I make them almost every week. And I keep sending pictures saying, "Look, I still use your recipe," and it's like so <laughs> That's awesome. awesome. Yeah, it's so like, good. Leave me alone. Like, <laughs> like I get it. You like them? Great. <laughs> so, She's so, super duper nice. She was yeah. great to have on the show and chat with. I might annoy Hannah for those those recipes now. Well, I have it, so I can send it to you if you'd like. <laughs> you can get the middle there. Yeah. You can, oh, get it from, then you can yes, send Dan your, your photos of them. <laughs> no, no, never mind. Oh, oh no, just start it. sending the photos to Hannah. Let's you all should. do that. that sounds good. <laughs> yeah. Send it to Hannah be like, Dan sent me this recipe. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> so, uh, kids, kids games, RPGs. So what, um, you know, I just kind of in a general sense, um, what do you all feel like are, are really 
kind of the key starting points for if you're saying I'm going to design an RPG and it's going to be targeted at kids. Uh, what what are what are the the big starting points you you want to you know kind of launch yourself off with? I would say, uh, and Tim, you can like chime in and let me know if this is like sort of like your design uh, mentality as well. But I would say like accessibility is a really important thing. Um, a lot of the time when we're designing RPGs, uh, systems are so big and they can get so crunchy and they can get like really, you know, overblown with like a lot of mathy mechanical type stuff. Uh, but when designing for kids, it seems like the the best thing to do is to like just strip away all of that and like streamline everything and make everything uh, accessible, easy to read, and uh, having graphics that are user friendly uh, because the user is uh, the kid. So making sure that they understand like everything that's in front of them is really important. Also, I'd like to mention, so one thing that we we'll, might get into later, I'm not sure how deep we're going to get into it, but one thing that Banana and Tim did that I think was great with this is uh, there are prompts and guides for each location you're going to. So I think with kids, they're super creative and they can come up with a lot of things, but they kind of need some like direct directed guidance, right? When it's a big open world like with an RPG and you can literally do anything, sometimes that's too much for them to like grasp right it's too big but if you're like here you're here and like this is kind of your focus as to what you're doing now what do you do with it then they can run with it um that gives them a little more guided direction on where they can go with it and i think that the, the way they did it for this was really stellar because it does that it, it, it starts them off and then lets them continue with it how they want to yeah, definitely, and, and I I, to, I agree with what Banana said completely, and and uh, that's definitely my approach. And to build off what Dan is saying, um, a, a lot of it starts with with children is is trying to figure out what their point of reference is for things that when you're dealing with adult games, you don't necessarily need to to think about. You know, we we see movies, we've played games, we've read books, we can visualize things and and concepts that are more complex and kids may not have reached that point yet where when you're telling them, you're describing them going through a dungeon, they may not even know what that means. That to them it's a whole different, you know, thing. You describe the walls, they don't know what cobblestone might be, you know, so um really figuring out the age range you're targeting and what kind of concepts they might already understand looking at their, the curriculum in schools, you know, that they might be uh, working on and, and working that in. Cause you're, you're telling a story, you're, you're all collaborating, you're coming together to create a cool story. Um, but you got to know the audience. You got you to know who's playing the game and how they're visualizing it. Oh, that's good. Yeah, no, that makes a ton of sense. It's funny when you said they might not know what cobblestone means or a dungeon. It's like, Oh, yeah, like I I played No Thank You Evil with my kids and um you know with that there was just a lot of describing and simplifying and you know saying to the kids, "Hey, here's you know, here's what you here are your choices of what you can be." And them saying, "I want to be this thing." And I'm like, "That's not one of the things. All right. How do we make that work?" Okay, this is how we make that work, right? And uh I think you're right. Those prompts are really helpful because when you say to a kid, "You can do anything." Uh, yeah, that, first of all, you may get a, like, I don't know what to do, but you also might get a, here's a lot of ideas that are going to make it real hard to run any sort of game <laughs> with them cohesively, at least. 
the yeah and another another thing is is um who's going to be running the game that needs to be a discussion because uh children want to tell stories they want to play games and with board some board games they can pull them out of the box and and they understand enough to put them together someone probably taught them the basics of the game unless it's very you know very simple rules but with a role-playing game the the adult or an, an older child is probably going to be the one running it so making sure that you're writing it for the person who's going to be facilitating the game and give them the tools they need to to teach it to the kids and run it for the kids so there's there's that element as well yeah that's a good point i didn't even think about that specifically because yeah i mean i I guess i assumed that oh yeah it's an adult doing this but you're right it could be an older an older kid and you know using terminology and things that they understand plus there's just the language issue in general where you've got younger kids where you know my daughter when we play no thank you evil she can read very little uh so the iconography is very important to her because it makes her know uh specifically you know what what she's looking you know what she's looking at to say oh yeah this symbol means this i can remember that uh but i don't want to have to read the word all the time so um next thought on this when um you know one of the one of the big things that when you're dealing with you know so if you've got a board game for kids right you you've got a board you're limited to that board and everything is kind of tied into that the specific components um but with an rpg you may have you know you may have your character sheets and you've got some dice or or whatever um and then you've got maybe a map but maybe that didn't come with the game and maybe you're you know kind of generating that as you go what do you think are some best practices around that for dealing with um designing for kids does that make sense um well so i was just going to say one thing that we're doing which we have really like vibrant um character sheets that are i mean really kind of just appealing visually and we're offering a map within the book but we're going to offer it as an add-on as well so if people wanted to buy a physical version of the map that is something that will be available um but then if you wanted to add more to that too you can kind of say what you were yeah yeah i think with games that don't have all those components uh, it might be a little trickier for uh, for kids to like have a grasp on you know on the world that they're playing in. Um, I think like with artifacts and with like tangible tools, uh, those sort of facilitate the way that a kid would sort of sit down and be like, "Hey, like this makes sense to me," uh, or "This won't make sense to me." I'm like, I- I'm thinking like in my own, you know time as a player as well like a lot of the time I would just like uh stop paying attention because I'm just like oh like I I don't really want to uh play this game right now because it doesn't like I I don't know what's going on or like uh there are too many options or there aren't enough options for me to you know to run with so I think like giving uh giving players agency is really important, but um, it has to be agency that's like uh, that is quote unquote limited, so that they they don't freak out and they don't like you know get analysis paralysis. Yeah, I've definitely found with with younger kids playing that if you have um, 
a lot of components, although that's very appealing, um, it can at times be distracting or at other times be somewhat limiting, like uh, like Banana was saying. Um, what I've really liked about uh, running this particularly is uh, Questlings, the RPG in particular, is the map. Um, it puts everybody in the same place. It, it, it gets everybody's focus uh, into the same area and, and uh, without, without being too distracting. Sometimes 3D models or cardboard pieces or chits and things like that on the table um, become a little bit of a distraction. Spinners, uh, I mean, I'm, I wouldn't say that those don't distract <laughs> me. <laughs> That's that's a fair point. And I have noticed that certainly playing games, like I mentioned Marvel United, not an RPG, but has the miniatures that are supposed to stay on the board and the kids are like, let's move the miniatures. Moving miniatures is fun, um, even though they're not supposed to be moving the miniatures. Uh, so I get, I get that. Um, what about when it comes to the actual role-playing portion? Obviously, kids, m- most kids, like to pretend, like to act like they're somebody else. Um, but I'm, I, I've got my own impressions from doing this with my kids, but I'm curious, you know, I know you all have done a lot of playtesting and stuff. So a lot of working with kids in, in games like this, what is your sense around, you know, how the, the actual embodying a character works for the kids and, you know, what are some of the differences you've noticed between kids? I would say that like kids, uh, and this is just from my experience uh, with playing with kids. They usually don't, they're, they're scared of doing things sometimes when it comes to role playing. Um, and they don't know like if it's okay for them to do a thing. Like they sometimes want the permission to do a thing. Um, and I think giving them permission or like encouraging to go ahead and do the thing that they want to do uh, is really important when it comes to when it comes to role playing. Yeah, and the other thing I'd like to mention, so the whole core of the Questlings IP is it's about kids and their kids or the characters are all kids, but they picture themselves as fantasy characters, right? It's part of their imagination and how they see their world. So what's great is the RPG starts them off like each location you're starting as a kid and you're starting in an everyday real world. And so it kind of lets them embody that first where you're still a kid, you're in a regular you know, world you're used to, but then as you get there, you transform into this larger than life character and you have this really cool, unique location you're exploring but you started as something you're more familiar with, and then it kind of expands as you're performing your actions there. So they can embody, you know, a kid because they're playing a kid in the game as well. Yeah, that really helps the the point of reference too, because you know that they understand what it's like being a kid. <laughs> you, you don't necessarily know all the rest yet. Um, and I think when it, uh, uh, with, with kids, I mean, obviously the imagination is, is there. Um, it's giving it a, it's giving it the the permission to do what we are doing together at the table. But also, I think w- with a lot of kids, the, their imagination is inside them. They're in their own paradigm, and they're not necessarily um, as aware of how everyone else is playing and how everyone else is imagining. So they they may not mesh up as well. And I think that's what's so great about role playing games is you're it's a it's a concentrated effort to get everybody together. And focus so that you're you're not only imagining and sharing, you're also listening. You're 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 listening to other people, and the facilitator of the game uh, is is going to be asking questions to bring out more into the game. And so you'll know what a kid 
where their frame of mind is or their, their, what, what they understand by, by asking those kind of questions. Um, you know, what do you, you know, what does your room look like when you wake up in the morning? Um, what, what, what did you eat for breakfast? Um, these are all questions to get them primed for the game. And when you laugh, everybody else is laughing. When you are, are looking as a facilitator, when you look shocked, everyone else is like, oh, we can, we can do that. We can have these emotions, these real emotions in a fake fantasy game. Um, so it's, it's a lot about, um, Kind of connecting with them and, and getting everybody connected to the table uh, and I, again that's that's a, again why something like the centerpiece of the map is so important because it, it you know everything all the distractions around you they go away because you've all looked down at the map and the facilitators guiding you through the story that makes a whole lot of sense yeah and i, I do love the idea that you, you you know you're talking about something that is drawing their attention there um, one of the things you said that I, I didn't think about, um, but is a really, really good point is, you know, when in a fantasy world with an, with an adult role playing game uh, where the, you know, the the GM or, or whatever is, the storyteller, whatever it happens to be for that game is is describing something. And as adults, while we may picture it slightly differently, we all understand what the person is describing and we can create this group world. But with a kid, you're you're right. That can be so different um you know uh, especially you know if you're not you know before you describe it uh well, just when they look at that map right they're gonna all get their own ideas about what everything is and and getting them enough on the same page so that you can have that cohesive journey is important and could be a challenge yeah that that makes a lot of sense um but you know what you're talking about getting them kind of in uh, you know primed for that with asking him those in character questions and stuff. That's, um, that's really smart. And, and then the idea around actually, you know, using those expressions yourself to teach them like, Oh, I can be surprised. I can have these real emotions as part of this game. Uh, I think that's, that's really cool. But, but it makes me wonder then too, um, you know, emotions, I, I always felt like uh, in, with, with a normal RPG, and by that I mean, in a, you know, in an, an RPG for, for, for grownups, um, you know, in one of those RPGs, emotion is so important, right? And emotion is, um, and you can go through a whole lot of emotions um, in, you know, or a huge range of emotions when you're, when you're playing an RPG. Um, how about with, with kids? I, you know, I think of some of my favorite RPGs and they have these these tragic moments and these, you know, not like the, the not happy stuff. Right. That, that went along with all the victories. And um, how do you handle that when you're when you're playing an RPG with kids or when you're creating an RPG with kids? How how do you handle that that kind of thing where it's not is it always like we're winning, we're doing great or, or are you trying to have a little bit of both? Yeah, I think uh, we can talk about the questing system in general uh, when it comes to dice rolling. Um, so I think when uh, initially when we were making the game, when I was just like, you know, starting out writing the game, um, it was very much inspired by the uh, Powered by the Apocalypse uh, way of like rolling dice, right? So you have, um, you know, if you roll a, d a D6, uh, and specifically for quest lengths, if you roll a d6, one, two, three, uh, or one to two is like, 
bed, that's like a failure. And then three to four is like, you know, it's a success, but something weird happens. And then uh, five to six is like, oh, it's a, you know, total success. Uh, But it wasn't until uh, Tim came onto the team where I realized, oh my God, like, you know, kids are going to have a hard time understanding this. So, you know, especially with like failure as such like a strong word, uh, we should definitely like reward this and like make challenges uh, more like challenges and not so much as like, you know, a terrible thing for them to, that's, that's like a blocker. Uh, And so I think um, there's like that element where when we were designing this, we had to think about like, what, how do we word things? How do we make it so that uh, it's something that the kids can overcome? And they won't just like stop playing the game altogether. Um, Right, right. And uh, on top of that, we also said that like, you know, if you don't make the role, um, you would get a boost. So a boost would help you towards uh, your next role or the next thing that you can do. So it would uh, say, for example, help you re-roll if you needed to. Um, You can like trade in a boost for a re-roll or you can trade in a boost to move two spaces on the map instead of one. Uh, so it has like this more fun element that makes people uh, makes players feel like, oh, it's OK if I, you know, if things aren't going so well uh, right now in the scene, the next scene might be better. And maybe then I can overcome, uh, you know, the difficulty and uh, get towards get closer towards my goal. And I, I love that idea that like, hey, yeah, I'm the kid who failed this turn. Right. Like, but now I have a bonus and next turn. I'm going to be the hero, right? Cause I'm going to, I'm going to be able to win because I now have this boost that's going to make it easier for me. And if, if theoretically, I guess if I keep failing, I'm going to get a lot of those boosts and it's going to make it even easier, hopefully. Um, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Treating failure as not uh, just an unrewarded thing, which sometimes I feel like in adult RPGs, I'd be okay with that as well. When I've had those bad nights, like rolling in an RPG and you just get really tired of losing. <laughs> over and over again. Yeah. Some sometimes it can take quite a while for your turn to come up and if you roll badly on your turn and it's over in an instant without anything else, it can be a little bit of a letdown. Uh then magnify that by uh, 100 for a child. <laughs> right, <laughs> you know? right. But uh, the other thing to just to go along with what Banana was saying is that um it's it, the boost is 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 really cool because it's something it's like a currency to get it, it's neat, but it's also really neat to let them not succeed but frame it in a way that they can still have fun with. And what, what we've done here is we've given them, uh, we, we don't say you failed, we say, oops, what went wrong? And we let them take ownership of that narrative. They, the child gets to say in their own imagination why why it didn't work. I mean, oh, wow. uh, in a lot of games, the G, it's on the facilitator to do that. Yeah, I, I love that idea that the kid can describe it. So you know, I think of my kids playing something like this, they would just attempt to always make it funny, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, yeah. That was that's... one of my favorite things when we played this not that long ago. And I think we were making a potion or something, and I felt the role. And it was like, what are you doing wrong? And I was stirring, and I was like, I turned the wrong way or something. Like, you know, <laughs> the way you can run with it and the, the down word effects from how I messed up stirring this potion was just fun for me to explain, right? And I think... It just adds a lot more, um, like you said, light lightheartedness. It, it makes them not care about not doing it well because, like, you can tell this funny story about how you failed. How instead of like leaping up and catching something, right. you crashed through the table beneath you or something like that. 
Yeah, my, my son's favorite thing is so far in playing is getting a one to three. <laughs> he, he prefers it to succeeding. He gets real excited because he can come up with these real fun and he starts laughing before he even starts describing it. <laughs> I, I love that. Like, I mean, I, my daughter is the type where like we I tried to introduce him to zombie dice recently. So I was just looking for like an easy dice game we could play. I was like, oh, I've got this zombie dice. Let me show you. And she quit like on like rage quit on like turn three. Um, because she kept trying to press her luck and then kept losing. And like the one time she just like rolled three shotgun blasts, like on the first roll, uh, which no one likes that. Um, so she was, she was very upset. And like in a situation like this, she would be, she would be the kid who would be excited to fail. So because every time would be like, I swung my sword and I missed because I stepped in dog poop. Like that would be like her thing every time. Um, and then she would giggle and then my son would giggle and, uh, it would be great. So I, I absolutely love that um that take on it i think that's such a it's a good in it and it makes failure not a bad thing right it makes failure enjoyable you know they don't even see it as failure they see it as oops something happened i i really really like that yeah they still have a turn and they still have the spotlight they they're not just dismissed and that's important they're 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 there to play and let them play right and i think you know, with kids in that, like, in, as long as in the end, you're probably going to win or at least do pretty well as a group. It's the entertainment value, right? Like them being in the spotlight and being entertaining and being entertained by the game mission, you know, mission accomplished. I think that's that's one of the primary drivers for kids doing any game. And yeah, like you said, I mean, they love the spotlight, right? You know, and they love being able to shine and not just, oh, I rolled a one. I'm done, you know. Like so many other RPGs that like, you know, like the mainstream RPGs can be like, <laughs> you play them as an adult. I rolled a one. Oh, I heard actually ones aren't so bad because then something catastrophic happens, which can be funny. You're like, I rolled like a three and I missed. Okay. Your turn. You know, that's not. <laughs> Do you mind if I keep talking about something else within the game as well? That kind of relates to that. Yeah. Um, go right ahead. So you mentioned the spotlighting, like when you fail, you get to spotlight what you did wrong or whatever. But I think another brilliant thing that they did when I first played this, I was really excited about this, was each location you pick a player to spotlight. And so they kind of set up the scene at the location and you ask them some prompts about the location. And I think it's really great because it picks different players to highlight. So for like a brief moment, you feel, even if you're not like the main part throughout a lot of it, that for that location, you're you're the spotlight, right? So everyone's listening to you. You get to describe what you, you know, whatever it is about that location that is special to you. And I think what that does is it really just makes one, everyone like listening to you and finding out more about you. But two, it makes that person who's going feel really just like spotlighted at that location, which is really nice. Yeah, that does. Yeah, the, um, the some kids are very introverted it's very difficult to get them out of their shell and some kids are the opposite and one type definitely tends to dominate a table if you don't have something like that where where there's a mechanic there's a mechanic in the game that gives everyone equal equal time in the spotlight yeah and i also want to add that we want to make sure that each player feels like they're the main character of the story um, so that they're playing together, uh, and they're not, you know, trying to play, uh, against one another or trying to, you know, do anything against one another, uh, in the game itself, the, the goal of the game is, uh, for each character to collect three items, 
uh, along their journey in the in the map, so that that way they can accomplish their final goal, which is the driving force for for their character. Um, and so, because of that, I think that each player gets a chance to sort of like be in the spotlight uh, because you know there's that spotlight mechanic, but also because they can move their story forward. That's really cool. Well, I would love to, um, as we kind of move on here into into the pitch section, I, I'd love to start that off. I, we we certainly have, we've talked about the kids' side of things. We've also teased some different mechanics from Questlings. Um, in in a lot of the story pieces, seem very intriguing to me. So I would love to just you know hear an idea. Uh, I'll hear a little bit about the stories where this this IP and this idea comes from um, to kind of frame the pitch. Sure. So this this all started actually. I was I, I was reading some children's books to my kids, and there's this book series. There's like Bedtime for Batman and uh, Good Night, uh, not, Good Morning Superman, and uh, You're a Star, Wonder Woman, and they're all books about like kids get like a kid getting ready for bed, but he's picturing himself as Batman, right? And so That's he's cool. like. You know, it says like he always cleans up his messes and he's putting his toys in the the toy chest, but like the opposite page is Batman locking all the villains in Arkham Asylum, right? And it's cute because like um, they have like stuffies that are related to the villains that Batman's locking away. And, And so it's this really nice parallel of the kid pretending to be the superhero. And I was like, this is cool, but like, you know, with board games and whatnot, we we live in these fantasy worlds and we're dealing with RPGs and I'd love to see an IP about these kids who picture themselves as these fantasy characters. And yeah. so I had the idea for a long time and I didn't really do much with it. Cause I'm not really like, I mean, I'm, I, I don't consider myself a, a great storyteller. So I'm like, I have this cool idea, but nothing to do with it. And then I connected with one of my friends is a, a best-selling fantasy author on Amazon. And so, uh, you know, he does really well with fantasy writing. And so I went to him and I was like, Hey, I have this cool idea. And once I pitched it to him, he wrote like six storyboards for the six different books we want to do very quickly. He had some great ideas in each. Yeah. And each story focuses on kind of a different lesson the kids learning about themselves and they're in different situations and they kind of embody that character that the kids meant to be. And so then um, the third author, Nick Yu, he and I have been working on games together for about five years now. We've known each other for a long time. We hang out with our kids every other week and we're really good friends. And I was like, and he loves RPGs. So we brought him in on the project to write it with us. And between the three of us, we wrote the first two books are completely written with the storyboards done for the next four. And so we were gonna just launch the storybooks. And I was like, well, this is really RPG driven we should probably have an RPG to go with it. I think that'd be fun. (laughs) Well, I think, you know, it's just the natural inclination of gamers. If they're reading these stories, they're going to be like, where's the RPG, right? And so I think it just makes sense to have it. And I have known Banana Chan for a few years now, and we've always talked about doing RPGs together. And I finally had a cool idea to pitch to her for an RPG to work on. And so then, you know, I, I approached her about this and kind of the rest was history. (laughs) <laughs> well, that's that is really interesting uh the way you approach that and i love that you just like have this awesome idea and we're like i'm just gonna go get somebody who can help me write it who's real good at this stuff that's fantastic what a great idea um and uh so so now that we kind of understand a little bit about that i would love to just hear you know kind of the pitch for the game and uh how the game works uh you know in, in a little more detail than we've covered over the course of just mentioning it so uh, whoever wants to pitch that or 
pitch it as a tag team, go for it. It would be funny if we said one word at a time. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna game, you're gonna gamify this. <laughs> Amazing. No, I'm not gonna gamify it. <laughs> thought you might do it like like the beastie boys or something like like, you know and like every like so many words the third person would pop in and like you'd all say the word yeah it'd be great Uh, well i just went so i wasn't sure if someone else wanted to take this one i'm happy to do it as well but if someone else would like to go i'm happy to let you go for it you want me to do it? Okay. <laughs> but but it has to start out. It has to be like it's the Q U E S T to the Lings, like something like that. You know, really like really get it going, right? I don't think I'm gonna be handling that. But <laughs> well, that's all I had was that. That was like my entire pitch for that. That sounds like the that sounds like a producer's job after in post production. I think that'll. <laughs> no, that's me. That's not good. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, you really want me to do that? Okay, um, so so the Questlings RPG is a, um, as we said, a rules light RPG that is meant for kids anywhere from, I'd say, I mean, it's labeled A+, younger than that with the right DM can definitely handle it. And it's all about living this dual persona where you're a kid, but you're also this fantasy character you perceive yourself as. So you you have these great traits and you can expand upon them, do these amazing things, and you just have to realize that they're there within you. And so the system has a little bit of duality where you start as a kid and you do, you're using a D6. And then as you become an adult and your fantasy character, there's a D8. So there's a little bit of difference, but it's still pretty much the same rules and everything is streamlined to, to parallel between the two. And what's great is you're really just trying to achieve this goal. You get a goal at the beginning of the game and you're working with your friends to, to, to get to everyone's goal, right? You want to help each other succeed. You all want to find each other's items with each other. And what's great is you get spotlighted at different locations. So each kid can describe how it relates to them. You get prompts so that it's somewhat guided so that the kids aren't just um, a free for all with their imagination on what they need to do. There are prompts to help you get started with what you need to be doing at the location, but then it allows you to expand upon that and get what you need to get to. Um, it's about two hours, I think. With a, We did a full session in about two hours, and I think that's pretty normal. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know if I'm missing anything with it, but um, does anyone want to add to that? <laughs> I can jump in and add just a few bits. That was, I mean, that was spot on. Yeah. <laughs> that was, I mean, did you get that on, did you get that recorded? Because we can use that. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. So, I mean, it's it's an introductory uh, role-playing game that uh, is both for kids and adults uh, coming in for the first time. Or if you are a gamer and you have kids, like a lot of us, um, it's a great way to get them playing. Um, you know, it's a... It, it has a cool, a lot of cool elements that are masked or folded into it, um, that are teachable, um, you know, good, good lessons, uh, collaborative storytelling, taking turns, sharing the spotlight, listening. There are mechanics that actually allow you to help each other. There's, uh, there's a, a bit that the facilitator can use to award people for being kind, <laughs> um, and, uh, and using their imagination. And it's, uh, it's got enough, enough, in it to be free form so people can tell story it's not it has a lot of replayability um but it also has enough of a of a guide uh, you know enough of a track to let people um not go too far 
uh, and not be able to come back. You know, is it, um, you know, you mentioned it being about a two hour play session. Um, is it something that's meant to be one shots or is it meant to like continually go on um, as with the same group and the same characters? So there are two ways that you can play Questlings. Um, so the one way that you can play Questlings. Thanks for your infomercial. <laughs> I am trying to sell. But wait, if you order now, you can get <laughs> another copy of Questlings. Um, Only pay shipping and handling. <laughs> uh, so yeah, there are two ways that you can play it. The first way is that you can play as a one shot. Um, and it's contained within the, the town that you build out. But if you do decide to make it a campaign uh, and you want to keep using the same characters that you were using in the, in the first playthrough, uh, you can get more things. So you get, um, I believe it was like an additional boost. Uh, you get to keep the, the stats that you've built out. Um, oh, sorry, you get to roll over the boost that you had in the original, uh, in the original playthrough. And you also get one more to one of your stats. So uh, it's totally possible for you to keep playing in the same town, um, and you can also add more locations to the town that we've uh, that we've supplied with the the players. Mm -hmm. So if you want to create your own location, maybe it's something you know close to what it looks like in your own hometown, uh, then you could totally do that as well. That's really cool. And when is uh when is that gonna be on Kickstarter? We launch on November 17th, so in 12 days from this recording. Right, so this is going up on November 9th, so not too long after that. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, well, this sounds this sounds like a super interesting game. I know I'll check it out, um, having the kids in. Um, you know, we, we tried, um, like I said before, we tried um, No Thank You Evil, and that was a lot of fun. This sounds even more up their alley. Um, in the things that I felt like they struggled with a little bit with that, I definitely think they would they would get uh, a little more with this. So that is, um, yeah, I'm excited to check it out. And some of the artwork that you all have previewed online is just gorgeous, just gorgeous. Who did the art for it? So the base art for the books and the RPG are all Jackie Davis. Oh, uh, okay, she, so that's she, why it's so good. Yeah. Yeah, yes. Um, so we started with her for that. Uh, for she's the, okay, I guess. She, she's had a little bit of experience in the industry. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, she's the best. When I when we first decided, so the, I, I mentioned we were doing the books first, right? And when we first were committing to this, and we were thinking about what we were doing for this, we knew we needed, you know, the best artists, and we needed someone who we could really pull six books together right and there's a lot of details we wanted the parallel between the real world and the fantasy we knew she could just she mm -hmm. could do it right and she could draw both sides right she has the ability to to handle the fantasy world and handle the kids world and and do it spectacularly so we hooked up with jackie davis pretty early on for that um but john merchant who i've worked with for some game projects has been doing he did the map for the questlings rpg and he did the layout and graphic design for like the um character sheets and he's going to probably be doing the layout for the book as well so um and he may be doing Excellent. some splash images within the rpg booklet as well oh super cool awesome well that all sounds fantastic well Hey, thank you all again for joining us uh, tonight. This was a lot of fun uh, getting to hear about the game and talk about designing uh, RPGs for kids. And uh, yeah, is there anything else any of you want to throw in there? Anything else any of you want to plug? 
uh, before we go through the uh, the end bit here. No, this was my main phone case. I mean, I have a lot of things going on, but this is really what I wanted to talk about. So I don't have anything else really to mention. Yay, Banana, I know you have 7,000 projects. Is there anything you need to talk about? Uh, so the projects I have right now, I can't talk about. Okay. So Questlings well, right. is the main one. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, what's funny awesome. is I was looking back, or I think somehow one of your tweets re-popped up. And before I even approached you about this, you made a tweet beginning of the year saying, I'm doing at least one project a month every month for this year. And <laughs> I can only imagine it seems like that's doubled since then. Um, yeah, since quarantine. <laughs> but this is like one of the most fun projects, I think. I I had a really good good time just like working with the team, working with Dan and Tim. Um, so yeah, I I really love this game. <laughs> Awesome. Excellent. All right. Well, uh, listeners, thank you uh, for listening, as always. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you can uh, find us at buildingthegamepodcast.com. You can find us uh, by emailing us, buildingthegamepodcast at gmail.com. You can call us at 770-TELL-BTG. You can find us on the Twitter at podcastbtg. I am at J.A. Slingerland. Uh, and then for everyone else, Banana Chan is... At Banana Chan Games on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, and you can also find my company, Game in a Curry, at Game in a Curry on Twitter, uh, Facebook, and Instagram. And Dan? Yep, I'm at Letterman Games, L E T I M A N Games on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And Tim? Yeah, um, I'm at GMTimD on Twitter. Uh, you can also find me at um, DiceUpGames.com or the RollToPlayNetwork.com. Excellent. All right. Well, listeners, you can also uh, always find us on Facebook, uh, iTunes, Google Play, or I don't think that exists. I don't know. Stitcher, whatever. You can find us. And uh, we look forward uh, to letting you listen to our lovely conversations again next week. And uh, until then... Good night. Good night. Good night. night. Building the game with Jason and friends. With Jason and friends. Building the game. Building the game with Jason and friends. With Jason and friends. Dial 770 Hotel BTG. Please don't use the email.